This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it The Money Pit is presented by Owens Corning, the Angie App, and LL Flooring, the official flooring partner of the Money Pit. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey guys, what are you working on this beautiful fall weekend? If it's your house, you are in the right place because that's what we do and we're here to help you get those projects done. So look around your yard, look around your house, tell us about the projects you want to get done and we will help. You can get in touch with us a couple of different ways. You can post your questions on moneypit.com or you can call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Coming up on today's show, if the thought of cleaning your gutters makes you groan, you're probably a good candidate for gutter guards. But while hiring a gutter company to install these can be ridiculously expensive, buying the product and then either installing them yourself or hiring a handyman to do the job for you can be a lot less expensive. We'll walk you through the project. And laminate countertops can give you the look of natural stone without the price, but they're not quite as durable. But the good news is that laminate tops are actually pretty easy to repair. We're going to share some tricks of the trade to keep your tops in tip-top shape. And also ahead, are you ready to give your walls a new look just in time for fall? We've got tips on wall coverings that can add interest and color to your decor. But first, we want to know what you want to know. Give us a call. Let us know what your fall plans are for your house, from holiday decor to painting a front door to changing out your insulation, whatever it is, we're here to lend a hand. The number here is one Money Pit, or post your questions at moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Betsy in Georgia needs some help tackling a ceiling project. What's going on? My question is how to remove popcorn ceilings. Um, we have a bonus room above our garage that the popcorn ceiling was falling down in spot. Okay. And we scraped and scraped and we wasn't getting very far with it. And we damaged the drywall with gouges mm. from being scraped. My husband put stippling on the ceiling to cover up the gouges. And I don't okay. think it looks good at all. It, it looks dumb. So he kind of put more texture back on where he had the old texture? Yes. Yeah, so now you have to remove the stippling, which is probably done with the uh, spackle, correct? Yes. Oh, boy, I tell you what, you made it went from bad to worse. You know what I would do if I wanted, if, if I wanted a really clean ceiling and that was the situation? I would knock down as much of that as, as was physically possible so it's nice and flat, make sure as much of the popcorn is gone as possible, and then I would put a second layer of drywall over the whole thing, tape it, prime it, paint it, and be done with it. You'll have a brand new ceiling. Bury it. Hide it. <laughs> I'm like, bury it. Because that, that drywall is probably so damaged now from the scraping off of the old popcorn to the adding of the of the stipple, and then you're going to have to sand and get rid of that. I just don't think that, that all the work that's going to be worth you putting into that is just not worth it. You're, you're just not going to get a really clean look. So why don't you just put a second layer of drywall over it? It's really clean, easy to do. 
and it will look much, much better in the long run. All right. And then we have our other ceilings have popcorn, but we haven't tackled that. So is there an easier way to get it off? Well, here's the right way to do it is that you would dampen it and then you would scrape it. So you use like a paint sprayer or like a garden pump sprayer and then you just lightly spray that on the ceiling, you know, get it wet. You're going to have to cover everything. It is a messy job. And then you just scrape it away with like a spackle knife. And by the way, though, if you want to buy yourself some time and maybe it, the, what happens with the popcorn, it gets dirty and gringy looking, you can actually paint that. You, there's a special type of roller that's a very thick roller that's got sort of slits in it and presses the paint up inside the sort of the pieces of popcorn and you can get a nice bright, clean look to it. So it is possible to paint that and have it look a lot nicer and a lot cleaner. All right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Betsy. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Rick in Pennsylvania who needs some help getting candle wax out of a wood deck. So was it an awesome party? Uh, no, it was just a, a silly mistake. I, uh, I was actually carrying a citronella candle and I dropped it and it splashed back on myself and the deck. Well, are you okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this was like a couple weeks ago. I wasn't. Wax all over me and my eyes. It was not pleasant. Oh, oh man. That was a mess. Yeah. All right, so it splashed all over the wood deck. It's soaking into the wood, I presume? Yeah, I scraped off what I could, but a lot of it did go into the deck. It's a brand-new deck, Mm -hmm. and uh, I did not seal it or stain it or anything. I was letting the wood dry. Well, there is a trick of the trade for pulling wax out of wood that you could give a shot to. Pulling wax out of anything. Really, anything, yeah. wax on fabric, a tablecloth, on your clothing. This is the way to get rid of it. Okay. So what you're going to want to do is get a clothes iron, and a paper bag. And you put the paper bag over the deck, and then you put the hot iron on top of the paper bag. No steam, just a hot iron. Just a hot iron. And what it does is it melts the wax, and it soaks up into the paper bag. Yeah, somehow it magically like sticks to the paper bag, but not to anything else. Sort of blots up, yeah. But just make sure it's a paper bag and not a plastic bag, or you'll get the opposite result. <laughs> right, right. You'll be calling for a bigger problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it can be a grocery store bag, or like a lunch sack, or a shopping bag, like any, any kind of brown bag. Okay, and just... Just melt it. I mean, it'll suck right up into the bag. All right. Now, I suspect that uh, once you do that and you wait another season or so before you're ready to to stain or treat the deck, I would just wire brush that area right over the where the wax soaked in before you stain. And I think it'll just go right in there. I, I don't think it's going to block the stain. Those two tricks will help. Okay? I was kind of worried about that. But, uh, yeah, well, great. I, I appreciate you guys helping me out. You're welcome, Rick. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, everybody. Are you ready to freshen up your home for fall, but you need a little cash and some advice to get it done? Well, we've got both. Now through October 15th, we're partnering with BobVila.com to launch the $2,500 Freshen Up for Fall giveaway. Enter now at BobVila.com for a chance to win one of five $500 Amazon gift cards. Plenty to get you started on your next fall fix-up project. Judy in Iowa, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I'm in a house that my father built back in 1990. Okay. And while they lived there, they experienced black spots coming through on the um, drywall. Okay. And they called in a painter. A painter came in. He went over everything, was killed first, and painted it. Well, since then, they've both passed away. And so I purchased the house. Right. I had a friend take a look up in the attic, and he told me, oh, I can't believe that your father wrapped all this in plastic. Your house can't breathe. We need to get up here and slice this plastic, let the house breathe, and you won't get any more of these black spots. So does he think the black spots are mold? I don't know. And what room were you seeing it in? Very different room. Yeah. 
Okay. It's almost like it's the nail heads are getting wet or something. Okay, so up in the attic, let's talk about that area. You say he wrapped it in plastic. What exactly are you seeing? Well, I didn't. I haven't been up there. <laughs> I, oh, okay, uh, your my, friend saw it. My neighbor went up. All right, well, look, when it comes to vapor barrier, here's the rule. The vapor barrier goes towards the heated side of the house. So a common mistake, for example, up in attics is to put the insulation in backwards where they have the vapor barrier sort of facing up as you're in the attic looking down. And the solution to that is to cut the vapor barrier. I've seen that in crawl space too, where they put the vapor barrier because it has the nailing flange on it, a nailing tab on it uh, at the edge of the beams, and it's on the wrong side. So as long as the vapor barrier is between the ceiling uh, and the insulation, it's done correctly. If not, then yes, you can go up and slice the vapor barrier and let it breathe more. The other thing to do is to make sure that your attic has adic- adequate ventilation. And the best ventilation is a continuous ridge vent, which goes down the peak of the roof, matched with soffit vents at the overhang. Okay, that's what I needed to know. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Now we've got Leonard in South Carolina on the line who's doing a roofing addition to the garage. What can we do for you? I'm coming up with 10-foot studs, 16 inches on center. I'm putting a 10-foot wide roll-up aluminum door. The first question is, if I, if I breach this 10-foot opening with, a, with two 12-foot tuba eights, should I put fish pr- do I have to put a fish plate between them, or can I put a half-inch plywood? That sounds like a pretty small header for a 10-foot wide door. 2 by 8 sounds really thin. In terms of do you need a flinch plate or not, and for those that are unaware what a flinch plate is, so a flinch plate is like a metal, a thick piece of metal. It's about a half-inch thick. It's the same width 
as the as the two by eight, two by ten, or I should say the same height as it. So if it was a two by ten, it would be nine and a half inches, and it's designed to, designed to go in between the wood beams. So you basically make a sandwich out of the headers plus the flinch plate is in the middle of it, and it, it's kind of like having a wood I-beam, if you can imagine that. It's a combination of wood and steel, and really stiffens that up. But I would think that a 2x8, that a, that a which is only 7.5 inches tall, or it's a 10-foot span, is that what you said? Yes, I'm going to span 12 feet to make sure I'm over the studs a good ways. Oh, boy. 12 feet? Yeah, there's no way you're going to do that with 2x8, even if it's just a gable wall. I'd probably use at least a 2x12 for that. But I tell you what, why don't you, uh, you're going to have this inspected by the local code enforcement folks? I'm so far out in the country, I don't even know if they know I'm alive. <laughs> not, nobody alive? I'm it's going to be coming that. All right. Don't ask, don't tell, huh? Easier to apologize than to ask permission. You're sort of proceeding well, along well, those we're, lines. We're not going to have any, no, no electricity, uh, no water. It's just an d- addition room. All right. So I would, I would, if I was, it's just an addition, but it's a garage, right? Yes. A, a, yeah. Three sides to a, a, an existing garage. This door is going to be a big roll-up door. I would use at least a two by twelve. Okay. Yes, sir. I certainly appreciate your help. Now make sure you run that design by your wife now, too, Leonard. Right. <laughs> Actually, she designed it. (laughs) All right, as long as she's happy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. (laughs) Well, if the thought of cleaning your gutters makes you groan, you're probably a good candidate for gutter covers or gutter guards. But while hiring a gutter company to get these done, it can be ridiculously expensive. But buying the product and either installing them yourself or hiring a handyman to do the job for you, well, that can be a lot less expensive. Yeah. Now, first of all, installing these gutter guards, it really is a simple project that requires no special skills. You do need a few basic tools like a ladder, a measuring tape, and some tin snips so that you'll be able to cut the guards to length. Now, step one, clean the gutter. Don't want to lock in all that dirt and mess, right? Seriously. (laughs) Start with a fresh clean gutter. And when you do so, you want to wear gloves, you want to scoop out that debris with your hands. If your hand's not, you know, what you want to use, you can use a garden trowel. Then rinse the gutter with a garden hose equipped with a nozzle, and you want to make sure that you flush out those downspouts because clogs can occur there too, and that's where they do cause a lot of trouble. Now, once they're all clean and good to go, it's time to start installing those gutter guards. Now, while there are many guards out there to choose from, we have found that the stainless steel micro mesh covers do the best job. Now, if you buy these, though, from a gutter company and have them installed, they're crazy expensive. But guess what? When you buy them online, they are about 3 to $4 a foot. That's all. We've got a post on moneypit.com. It's all about gutter guards, so just search gutter guards on the site. Uh, and in it, we link to a brand that offers the guards and all the hardware for both 5-inch and 6-inch gutters at that price. So, again, just search gutter guards at Money Pit. It comes right up. And I'll tell you what, it's all in the box, so it's good to go. Yeah, and installing these really is the easiest part. All you do is slip the back edge underneath the shingles that are already overhanging your gutter. And then the front edge aligns with the front edge of your gutter, and it's attached with self-tapping screws. Now, one tip, because you may be trying to get a long section of gutter under that shingle. Now, one tip, because you might be trying to get a long section of guard underneath the shingles, we found that it's easier when you have a helper on a second ladder, and you guys kind of work side by side to help get those guards in place. And once it's done, you'll be free of clogs from leaves and pine needles and even the occasional tennis ball. (laughs) 
which happens to be the precise size needed to clog a downspout and subsequently flood a basement. Right, Leslie? <laughs> I can't even believe it. I mean, I couldn't find where this clog was and I had water in the basement and I knew it was from the gutter because, you know, what was it, 15 years ago I had the same problem right. and I was like, ah, it's the gutter. And so I climb up there, I'm looking in the gutter, nothing. I call, like I have a gutter maintenance contract. They come like four times a year to clean. So I was like, can you guys come help? And the guy comes over and he's like, well, this one's going to be tough. <laughs> out pulls a tennis ball. And the water came like gushing, gushing right? yeah. out of the downspout. And he was like, ah, oh, the tennis ball fee. That's going to be $5,000. And I was like, hey. And he's like, I'm kidding. But yeah, tennis balls. And he's like, I bet you have boys. I'm like, I do. How'd you know? <laughs> Esther in South Dakota, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, you can tell me how I can put little windows into a metal garden shed. Oh, okay. So it's just a single wall metal shed? It is. You know, it's like um, overlapping metal sheets. Yeah. Hmm. Why do you want to put the windows in there? Just for light? For light, and also because if we put shutters on the outside of them, they dress it up and they look kind of cute from the and outside. It looks pretty, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you purchased very inexpensive new construction style windows, new construction style windows have a have a sort of a fin, a nailing fin on the outside of it, like a, a, a strip that surrounds it. Uh-huh. If you were to do that and you cut the hole in the wall to just fit around the outside of the window and install the window backwards, so instead of putting it in from the front and covering it with siding, you're going to start on the inside and, and, and mount it there and then stick it sort of through the hole that you cut that fits around the window. And then you could bolt them in place and then cover the bolts with the shutters. That would be the way to create the illusion that the windows were built into the shed. So just to review, you would you would purchase a very inexpensive window because we're not at least a bit concerned about energy efficiency. This is just for show. Make sure it has a nailing a nailing flange around the outside of it, sort of this fin that sticks out. Uh, cut the hole in the metal wall that's the exact size of the window. Insert the window from the back, and then the nailing flange that's on the back, you could bolt into the metal that's all the way around, and then you would cover those bolts with uh, the shutters. And you'll have to caulk it to make sure it's watertight. Oh, sure. Great. Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Pat in Pennsylvania is on the line with a leak in a garage roof. What can we do for you today? Well, I have... Um, an attached garage to my house, and right down at the end where the near the garage doors there, um, right where the soffit meets the, the shingles, I have a, a leak there, and I was just wondering how I could try to fix that. If I could just put some of that blackjack in there and try to fix it, or how long do you want it fixed for a week or like forever? Because if you just use the tar, it's going to be a very short-term repair. Okay. Tell me where exactly the leak is evidencing itself. Well, it's just a little bit of a water spot there, right, at the garage door. And that it seems like the shingles are lifted up a little bit. But my, I, we built our home only nine years ago, so I wasn't sure if, you know, if it was the shingles. or. Okay, so you, you're not even sure if it's the shingles themselves that are cracking. So if you built your home nine years ago, you've got a, a fiberglass-based asphalt shingle. And one of the ways that fiberglass-based asphalt shingles wear is they actually develop sort of fissures or cracks in them. So if you put a ladder against the front of the garage and you kind of go up and look down on the shingle itself... And if you see cracks that go through them, that could be the source of the water. Now, if you've just got one or two shingles that are pushed up like that, usually that's because a nail is actually backing up through the roof. And you can put a flat bar in there and kind of tap that nail down. And yeah, if you want to put a little bit of asphalt ceiling under the tab just to kind of hold it in place, 
then that would be okay. But in terms of, of leak prevention, that type of sealant is not the way to fix the leak. If it turns out that the shingles are cracked, I don't want you to tar them. I want you to take them off and replace them. Okay, so that's not a permanent fix then, I guess, is what you're saying. Well, it's right. It's not going to be a permanent fix. If the shingles are cracked, then you should pull off the shingles that are damaged and replace them. And you can do that with a flat bar. You can actually sort of uh, extract, sort of surgically remove a shingle from the middle of a roof and put a new one back in its place. Okay, you wouldn't think after nine years that the shingles would be cracked already, would you? Or? I have seen it happen quicker than that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's why I see. That's kind of the way those shingles wear. It depends on a lot of factors. But I would take a very careful look at that and see if that's what's causing it. Okay, well, that sounds good. I appreciate your help. You're welcome, Pat. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, hey, if you're a pro contractor or maybe you're a modeler or a custom builder, we have launched a brand new podcast in partnership with LL Flooring, and it's called the Profiles Podcast. And in the podcast, we talk to successful professionals who are setting good examples and overcoming challenges and sharing what it takes to build a great business and a great life so we can all benefit from their experiences. Now, in the next episode, I interview Patrice Davis. She's a really interesting person. She's a Houston-based designer who is really fun to talk to. She's got a cool backstory. She was sort of a part-time designer for a lot of years while she worked full-time in the oil and gas industry. But when the pandemic hit, 
She knew it was her turn to break out and take on design full-time. She became busier than ever, and she'll never go back. Leslie, my favorite thing that she said was that good design is like a Sunday sermon. It starts slow, then slowly builds louder and louder and louder until it's really exciting, and then it settles right back down into your happy place. I think we can all agree with that. All right. That's great. Guys, you can listen and follow the Profiles podcast at llflooring.com slash pro. That's llflooring.com slash pro or wherever you get your pods. Julian Colorado's on the line and has a heating question. My question is regarding heat pump and how energy efficient they might be because we're an all-electric house. Our electric bill is very high. And how is your house heated right now, Julie? It's heated with baseboards. And actually, we don't even really heat Our house will heat one room because it's so expensive. Right now, you're heating with electric resistance heat, which, as you accurately stated, is the most expensive type of heat. Now, a heat pump system would be far less expensive, but it would require a duct system to be installed throughout the house. So you would have that upfront cost of running the heating ducts. If you had that system installed, the way a heat pump works is it's kind of like an air conditioning system that runs all winter, except that in the wintertime, the refrigeration system is reversed. Now, if you've ever walked, say, by a window air conditioner in the summer, you know it blows hot air out the back of it, out to the outside. If you sort of took that window air conditioner out and flipped it around and stuck it inside, you'd have a heat pump. It'd be blowing the hot air in the house. That's essentially what happens. It reverses the refrigeration cycle in the wintertime. Now, generally speaking, heat pumps are not always recommended for very, very cold climates because heat pumps only maintain the heat when there's a two-degree differentiation between what the temperature is set at uh, what the temperature is and what the temperature is set at, I should say. So if you set your temperature at 70, it falls to 69, the heat goes on. If it falls inside to 68, the heat pump stays on. If it falls to 67, the heat pump says to its electric resistance backup system, which is always part of a heat pump, hey, I can't keep up with this. I need some help. Turn on the heating coils. And then you're not saving any money. So will it save, will it be less expensive than baseboard electric? Yes. But it has a significant upfront cost in terms of the installation because you need a duct system as well as the heat pump equipment. Does that make sense? Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, laminate countertops are inexpensive and they can give you the look of natural stone without that hefty price tag. But while they can last for a long time, they tend to show wear and tear a lot faster than those stone tops. Now, the good news is that some of the most typical wear and tear issues can be repaired without a major cost. So, Tom, when you're thinking about laminate top damage, one of the most common has got to be when you lay down a hot pot or you inadvertently scratch the surface. Now, how fixable is a burn or a scratch? Yeah, you know, and that's that moment where you think you've totally ruined the whole top, right? Like there's this huge burn mark under the pot, you know, in a perfect circle. And you think, oh, how am I ever going to fix this? I'm going to get a new top. Well... Not so fast, because if you put a very hot pot directly on the laminate, obviously it's going to burn and bubble. That's not something you can remove. But while you could replace the whole counter section, a far more economical way is to actually get a drop-in cutting board that's larger than the burned-out area. So think about that. This could be a piece of wood. It could also be made of a solid surface material like Corian or natural quartz. And it basically uh, is – I love these kinds of solutions – because, you know, people see it and they go, oh, what a cool feature. That's so neat. Did you order it that way? You know, you don't even tell them about your burned out spot, right? 
No, that's true. And I mean, that's a really smart fix. You go from having like a horribly damaged countertop to being the only person on your block with this super cool built-in cutting board, and it's super functional. Now, I think there's another problem that we see a lot of is when the edge strip of the laminate countertop comes loose in a section. You know, it just kind of, you know, loses its adherence and kind of is like, wah, 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 you can pull it off. How do you fix that? Yeah, and that happens when water gets in there. Or sometimes if it's like sticking up a little bit, you keep catching it with your hand or with the towel and it eventually works its way loose. But pretty easy fix. Uh, what you want to do is take a warm iron and, held, and hold it over that loose section. Now, I don't mean hot. I mean warm. And maybe even put like a towel first so heat has to kind of go through the towel because you don't want to stick the iron to the plastic, right? What that does, though, is it reactivates the contact cement and then re-adheres that flapping strip in literally seconds. And finally, if you've got a missing section of that edge strip, you can replace it. And the best thing to do is to find an edge section on your counter that's not visible, like maybe between the counter and the refrigerator. If you take that strip, you could basically use a hot iron again, a warm iron, I should say, to loosen it up, pull it off, and then use that strip to replace the one that's missing where it's much more visible. All right, so now I've got my built-in cutting board, but let's just say that I'm still a dodo and somehow I slip and I get a nice deep scratch in the countertop with a knife. Can I fix that, or do I just have to get a bigger cutting board? You mean when you slipped off the cutting board that you already, like, embedded into your countertop? and now Yeah, you that's scratch? right. Because <laughs> uh-huh. you're on a roll. Do I just need a bigger cutting board, or, you Keeps know, can big, I fix it Eventually, with the whole countertop becomes a cutting board, right? <laughs> it's all a cutting board. How cool. What a great idea. <laughs> but if you've got scratches or gougers in the laminate, they can be fixed with plastic seam filler. Now, you'll find that in home centers and hardware stores at fabricators. And basically, it's sort of a liquid version of laminate. Uh, it comes in a tube, like a toothpaste-sized tube, maybe a little smaller. You may have difficulty finding, like, the exact match. So in that case, what you do is you get one that's a bit lighter and one that's a bit darker, and then sort of practice mixing them and applying them to an inconspicuous area to make sure you're happy with the match before you commit to the most visible repair. But definitely fixable and definitely something you don't have to do a major repair to to overcome. Now we've got Joseph on the line with an electrical question. What's going on at your money pit? Uh, I've got an older house that was built in the 1940s, and my daughter's nursery, the overhead fan and lights work, but none of the sockets in the room function, and I have no breakers that have tripped. So somewhere those sockets are disconnected. Now, are you sure the sockets are not connected to a light switch? Uh, I am 99% positive, sir. (laughs) There's, there's a seed of a doubt there that perhaps they could be. You know, sometimes the light, uh, the uh, outlets are, are operated by a light switch, uh, but I would say that it's not normal for that to happen in a 1940s house. But what you need to do is this. And when I say you need to do, I think more accurately an electrician needs to do, you got, you got to get into the wiring that's supplying those outlets and try to figure out why it's disconnected. It, it, I can't imagine any reason it would have been physically disconnected, which means it's most likely um, some failure in the wiring of the outlets themselves. But if you open up the outlets, you can see if you have hot wires there and try to figure out at what, what point they became uh, de-energized because they are probably wired in series, so the wiring goes from one to the next to the next. And uh, you need to do a little bit uh, more investigation to figure out why that is. But it's really not a do-it-yourself project. I don't want you to make a mistake, and I don't want you to get electrocuted. Yes, sir. Then I will uh, definitely look at calling in an electrician. Well, wall coverings can have a big impact on a room's decor scheme, both in design and, if you're not careful, on your wallet. Fortunately, affordable products are making it easier than ever to achieve professional results on a DIY budget. Now, when you're looking at wallpaper, you want to try to choose the best quality paper you can afford and then use it sparingly. Consider, for example, papering a powder room 
or maybe a focal wall in the family room, or you could use wallpaper inside squares trimmed out in molding in a dining room. If you paper just the bottom half of walls under a chair rail, I mean, you get the idea. Be strategic about it. Yeah. Also, wall murals are making a big comeback, possibly because so many are temporary and easy to remove when you're ready for a change. And they're not just for your kids' rooms. Now, you can bring the outdoors in with a full wall photo of a forest, which is great for a walkout basement or a bonus room, or maybe even a sports-themed mural for that man cave. So if you want to extend your summer with a beach scene or maybe a forest motif, go online, head over to your local paint store and pick one out. Marion, North Dakota needs some help with a concrete floor. What can we do for you? We got crumbling concrete on the basement floor. Okay. After water problems this spring. All right. And it's very crumbly and powdery. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there are places on it that I'd like to paint if I could. Do you want to try to stabilize the deterioration of the concrete? Yeah, I was wondering if there's some kind of sealant that could be sprayed or poured on it. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, in terms of the water problem, um, is this a problem that happened after a heavy rainfall? Yeah. All right, so if you've got water that comes in after a heavy rainfall, I want to make sure we try to slow this down so it doesn't happen again. Adding sump pumps, things of that nature, is not going to stop this from happening again. What stops the heavy rainfall from getting in is outside looking at your gutters and your grading, making sure the downspouts are discharging away from the house, making sure your gutters are clean, making sure soil slopes away from the house. We've got an extensive article actually several of them on uh, moneypit.com. Just search how to stop a leaking basement. It's the same advice. And we talk about the proper drainage improvements. So do that first. And then in terms of the concrete itself, you can use a patching compound. Quickcrete has a patching compound product. You definitely want to use the patching compound because it's designed to stick to the old concrete. If you try to put new concrete over it, it's not going to stick. So the ready-to-use patching compounds are trowel applied. They're latex formulas, so it's easy to clean up. But that will seal the old concrete. Then once that dries, then you can paint it. And what I would look for is an epoxy floor paint. Uh, the epoxy paints I like because they're, they're a chemical cure. When you buy the floor paint, you get the paint in a gallon can that's about three-quarters filled, and then a quart of hardener. You mix them together, stir them up. And then you apply the paint. Sometimes there is a, uh, an additive that goes in after the fact that gives you some texture to the floor, helps kind of hide the dirt. But patching it first, then adding an epoxy paint, will have that looking like new in no time. Okay. So, but the the name of the the sealant was called what? Quick Crete. Q U I K R E T E. It's Quick Crete Concrete Patching Compound. Good stuff. Mary, thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Well, Tara writes in looking for some help with a project, and they write, I'm looking at putting my inflatable hot tub in my garage for the winter. What size of dehumidifier would be recommended for this? 
I mean, is this a good idea if that space isn't conditioned? Surprisingly, a lot of people are into doing this. We started to see a big trend on this during the pandemic. And yes, you are correct, Leslie, because the space is not designed for the humidity that you're going to get by doing that. You do have to proceed cautiously, but there is a solution. Um, first of all, the kind of dehumidifier, you should add a dehumidifier, yes. And the kind that you wanted to be, that you want to do is not the sort of kind that maybe you see in a basement where it's sort of like a standard thing on wheels with a little pan under it. No, you need something that's a little more professional. Uh, take a look at the Santa Fe dehumidifier website. Uh, for example, I, they have a calculator there and for a garage, uh, you need to know how tightly sealed the room is and, and they would call that loosely sealed in their description. So assuming it's a 20 by 20 by 8 and it's a loosely sealed garage, which means, you know, it's not like indoor space like you have in the house. There may be some air getting in around the garage door and such. But anyway, you would need to dehumidify 3,600 cubic feet. And so that calls for a model which covers 3,600 to 4,000 cubic feet. So that's kind of how you match it up. You figure out how tight the space is. You look at the calculator that they provide on their website, and that will tell you what models to choose from. Now, when you select one, it's probably going to be one that will uh, hang or mount on the wall, and it has what's called a condensate pump. So that means when it takes the moisture out of the room, it basically pumps it outside. So there's nothing to empty, nothing to dump. Uh, and it works off a humidistat, so it works automatically. So you can go ahead and put your hot tub in there, enjoy it, and don't worry about all that humidity and moisture causing mold growth and all sorts of other problems. All right, good stuff. Enjoy that hot tub. But please, you know, like move your lawnmower and all the other stuff. Like try to make it a little space that's kind of relaxing instead of reminding <laughs> you of having to clean out the A couple garage. of fake palm trees, right, or something. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> All right, now we've got Diane who writes in saying, My home is in Florida. It was built in the early 70s and needs new wood soffits. I'm thinking I can take down the existing, use it as a pattern, and replace it with new quarter-inch treated plywood. I'm pretty handy and on a tight budget, but as a single woman, I sometimes feel like contractors try to take advantage of me. I never know who to trust, and a lot of the time I could have done the job better myself. Can you give me some guidance to get started? Love your podcast. Sure, Diane, we can help. So first of all, um, with the wood, if you're going to go with the wood soffit, remember that you want to paint the back of the soffit, the side that will be sort of hidden before you do the installation. I would paint you know, both sides, front, back, and the edges, because that's the only way to really protect it. It could rot just as easily from the inside out as from the outside in. But most importantly, do not forget about ventilation. I'm sure those wood soffits had some sort of uh, vents in them before, and you got to make sure that you replace them as they were, or better yet, don't go with wood soffits and use perforated aluminum soffit material, and that can be easily installed, supported by a strip that goes on the underside of the fascia, and that is completely ventilated because the more ventilation you get in there, the more air that gets in the attic, the more efficient uh, your home is going to be throughout the seasons. Yeah, and Diane, this sounds like a great project. If you're handy, I say take on this project yourself. It's great, and you can totally do it. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending this part of the beautiful fall day with us. We hope that you're inspired and ready to take on some fix-ups and improvements around your house. If you need help, we are just a call or post away. You can get us 24-7 at one Money Pit or post your questions to moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.